Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Tonight is Christmas Eve. It's nice and quiet. I, I wonder what you're doing. I, I'm uh, recording this, obviously, a little earlier than uh, Christmas Eve. Not much. Maybe yesterday, maybe. Yesterday, I maybe recorded this, but I have a early morning flight, and I feel like I should have left last night. So... I probably should have camped out. Probably should have just been one of those people that finds an awkward place to sleep at the airport. The people sleeping on the floor at the airport. I don't think I've ever been a person sleeping on the floor at the airport. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time at 55 years old to do something new. To sleep on the floor uncomfortably at the airport where people walk by and they wonder what what happened to that guy's life. Why is he sleeping here? Does he have a flight? Did he miss a flight? Is there trouble? Is there trouble at home? Does, does he have a home? I guess that doesn't really happen. Yeah, I don't think you judge people like that at the What am I talking about? Topher Grace is on the show. Topher Grace. He's in uh, Black Klansman, which is uh, now available to buy or rent on digital, Blu-ray, or DVD. So I talked to Topher about a lot of stuff coming up, okay? So I, I've got a confession, I think, uh, that I have to make. Embrace yourselves. Because this is only going to mean something to eight people. And it's not even people that are involved in the confession. It's just one of these things. You know, I'm a middle-aged dude. I enjoy music. I talk about music a lot. I'm a record guy. Uh, that you know, I don't, I'm not as vocal about that as I used to be. Because it just is what it is. It was the middle of the night last night. I did comedy at the comedy store. Had a good set. Came home. Was late. You know, I had a, I, you know, I got a pack, but I just started watching. Like, I, I don't even remember why I rented Casino, but I did. You know, I've seen that movie so many times. I think I rented it to do some research for the Vegas season of Glow that I'm involved in right now. And I hear this song, you know, because Scorsese's so great at layering the songs. And I'm like, who the fuck? I mean, I've heard that thing before, but I don't think I've ever really identified who's playing guitar and what group is doing Ain't Superstitious in the background of one of the casino scenes. I've heard it before, but I don't think I have it. Why don't I have it? Why can't I identify who it is? Is it Eric Clapton? Is it the Yardbirds? No. It's Jeff Beck group and the album is Truth. Now, I, I'm not as a grown-up or have I ever been 
a Jeff Beck guy. I don't know why. I, there's something about instrumentals that don't uh, that I don't love. But this is Jeff Beck group. This is Rod Stewart singing, which threw me because I knew it wasn't the Faces. But I went and I listened to the entire 1968 album Truth by the Jeff Beck group. And I'm and my confession is, uh, yesterday was the first time I ever listened to that record. I know, I know. For those eight people that are like, are you fucking kidding me, man? That you don't know fucking Beck shit? I mean, that guy's a monster on guitar. He is. He is. And uh, and I'm sorry. On the other side, uh, I still don't love Jeff Beck, but uh, that Truth album is a, that's a fucking monster, wild guitar record. So that's uh, my confession. Uh, I don't know who to apologize to. I don't feel bad about it. This is the beautiful thing about music is that you find that... Uh, the parameters of your musical tastes were usually guided by radio, parents, friends, trying to be accepted, and uh, whatever those parameters are, whatever that road is, there are so many more. So you can just, there's no late to the party. I'm happy that I've heard it and I've processed it and integrated some of the possibilities into my own uh, fingers, and that's that. No big deal. And another thing I learned, there's very few things I can't watch. I, you know, I can usually... My, you know, let things into my head and take it. But uh, when they when they put that guy's head in the vice in casino, can't watch it, can't do it. Just I just cannot, just can't fucking do it. So there's two confessions. I just listened to Jeff Beck's Truth, and I'm incapable of watching the scene where Joe Pesci has a guy's head in a vice to casino. And I'm I'm fairly proud about uh, both of those. I think uh, I think I'm a better person for both of those things. Isn't that what confessions are about? It's off me now. I've, I've unloaded. The, my burden has been lifted. The other thing I did last night at three in the morning is uh, I decided that I smelled something burning in my house and there was nothing burning in my house. Then I thought maybe I was having a stroke, but I wasn't having a stroke. And then I went outside uh, naked uh, because I seemed to do that occasionally to see if anything was burning outside. There was nothing burning outside. And then I didn't know whether or not uh, I locked the garage. So I'm wandering around. I think I hear a noise. I think I hear music. I think I hear maybe someone's you know out at the, inside my house and I'm out there naked. I'm protected by a gate and I'm checking the, the door and I, I sort of panic and I think maybe I lock myself out of my house naked and, I, and I'm not paying attention and I smash my head into a light fixture on the outside of the door. So I have a big scratch on my forehead for the holidays and I think I'm getting a cold. So that's an update. Oh my God. President baby man ruined Christmas for so many people. So many people doesn't give a fuck. Zero fucks. The monster in the oval. King baby. But uh, interesting that I think an interesting thing happened. I'll share it with you. I did talk about politics with my father and it was kind of one sided. And uh, there's a twist to this. You know, he, he my father is not a political guy. He's not that bright when it comes to politics. I don't think he knows literally anything which is i i think par for the course for a lot of people certainly trump voters which he was and uh but you know he he watches a lot of fox news and he says things like uh you know that hannity seems to know what he's talking about sure okay so do i so but i don't know what it was whether it was firing of mattis or pulling the troops out or the shutdown i'm not sure what it was but my dad called me 
kind of vulnerable in his voice. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I, I guess you were, I guess you were right. I guess you were right about Trump. And I'm like, uh-huh. He goes, I don't know. I guess you know, people just don't know until they know, you know? And I'm like, no, I, I said, uh, a lot of people did know. They knew like more than half the country knew. We knew, I knew you didn't know, but I knew he's like, yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. This might be it. Might be the end. Might be the, the big one. The big one. That generation uses that. The big one. They're going to drop the big one. And I said, yep, that could happen. It certainly could. Uh, but uh, hopefully it won't happen before I see you on uh, Christmas Day. Okay? He said, yeah, okay. I love you. I love you too. So, we'll see. Maybe it's going to be the big one for Christmas. I don't know if that would make my dad satisfied or happy. or I'm not sure. It's, it's hard to... Hard to tell with narcissistic people whether they just, they, you know, they, especially as they get older, which is what concerns me about uh, <laughs> diaper president is that, you know, he, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's the most successful narcissist ever. He's literally been able, and I've said this before, to make everything about him. I mean, globally. Uh, and that's, uh, that's the envy of the narcissist community. But the fact that he's old and pissed off, I have a feeling that uh, I, I, the, the end game for narcissism is like everything ends with me. And when you have a narcissist of the capacity of this president, everything ends with him. Uh, it's, it's not a good prognosis for the future of the species. Yeah, remember the species, folks, as, you, uh, as you're, you know, you're aggressively mindful. Don't mindful yourself out of principle. Could you not? And I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that principle mindfulness. I mean, don't self-center and ground yourself mindfully to the point where uh, you give zero fucks about others. We have a species here and it might behoove us all to think in terms of it. I'm not being condescending, not virtue signaling. Just realize I'm a selfish fuck. But at some point, something's going to happen. Where we're going to have to think about the survival of the human race. Should, I, we probably should have been on it to be quite honest with you. So, all right, Topher Grace is uh, here. He, I talked to him. He's uh, featured in Black Klansman. He plays David Duke, actually. It's now available on uh, digital or Blu-ray or DVD. You can buy it or rent it. And uh, we had a nice conversation. I, didn't, I really didn't know what to expect. This is me talking to Topher Grace. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, like moving out here, like I was living in, you know, a tiny ass place for a long time and I no longer understood why. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like I saved some money. Why am I still in this fucking place? 
Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> so I moved. I didn't. I had a woman come into my life and be like, oh, she did it? why the fuck are you living in this yeah. place? Where were you? I was up in the hills. Tucked away? Oh, dude, big... I had such a great, like, <laughs> I had a whole system with the yeah. cleaning lady that was like, I mean, I had someone come once a week. Right. And I only really ate cereal. I and mean, this is how much of a bachelor <laughs> I was. There was just a, <laughs> like a, a sink full of, yeah. Like, you know, cereal bowls that had a little bit of milk in them. Yeah. Like just the last part yeah. of milk. Yeah, and maybe one or two pieces of cereal. I had fake plants that I bought at some, like, set dressing store. So I didn't, I, I would go away for, like, you know, yeah. eight months to shoot something. I'd right. come home, go right back into it. Like, it all worked. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, this, I mean, I'm sure she's not listening, but this cleaning lady was... Um, <laughs> Did you just start to whisper? If not, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Yolanda. <laughs> But I, uh, she, we had this thing worked out where she would, mm. she was kind of like a terrible cleaning lady, but she yeah. would do the dishes, which I'm honestly not sure I knew how to do. Yeah. And then she would, um, uh, there was like a chair that I put all my clothes on. <laughs> and that was it. But I was like, look, I really don't need the place to be that clean. You know, it's like clean enough. Please what tell I need me is like do the dishes and please put my clothes away. Put the shirts away. Please tell me it was like a six bedroom house. No, no, no. <laughs> that's like, no, that's such an LA thing. No, it was, uh... It was just like, you know, the problem is I went from, you know, I did like one year of college and I went to the show and, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't start learn not anything. looking at the prices on the menus and you just, you just yeah. go. And so yeah. my wife was a wonderful um, breath of uh, influence and influence uh, and I don't want to say fresh air is more like responsibility, but. Well, that's a weird thing. Like when I moved out after, even after four years of college and I came out here the first time, I had no fucking idea how to do anything. I mean, I like. I mean, the fact that I got a bed frame for my futon, <laughs> like I had a futon on the floor, you know. Oh, yeah, no, I've been there, man. And you know, you have no excuse after. Like, women are coming home with you who are like, hey, "Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, like, what, I'm doing this because you're on television." Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, would you act like you're on television, please? In your, in your real life, your character seems to have it together. <laughs> so, but that, really, so you you only finished one year of college? Yeah, I had a weird. Um, I have the weirdest story I've ever heard in terms of being discovered. Which Where'd you is, grow up, though? I grew up in Connecticut. What part? Uh, Darien, Connecticut. I kind of know. I knew someone okay. from Darien, Connecticut. I, I was familiar with Connecticut like because I, I went to college back there, so I'd drive up Where'd and down. Go? I went to BU. But oh, BU's great. Yeah, yeah. So like I would drive, and even when I started doing comedy, I just know that run from New York to Boston. You know, over well, that's what I did. I went up to Massachusetts to a pre-prep, which goes through ninth grade. And then I went to another prep school in New Hampshire. So I just kept going up. The, Which prep school in New Hampshire? Uh, Brewster Academy. Yeah, but I mean, why why prep schools? I mean, I mean, you seem like a little prep schoolish, but I, I mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, like you kind of like it doesn't surprise me, but I, <laughs> but like how does one surprise me is that you went to college? Like, oh really? Did it? No, no, yeah. I'm just um, I went for five years even. <laughs> I, I stayed undergrad as long as I could. But I mean, like, what was your what was your uh, family? Uh, what did your dad do and shit? My situation, Darien, Connecticut. Again, I'm pretty sure no one's listening in Darien, Connecticut, right? I don't know. You can talk shit about Darien, Connecticut. It's okay. I, I I knew one woman who I went to college. It's just one of those towns. I don't have a sense of it. But my, my folks are still there. Oh, okay. But uh, but I will say this. I don't think anyone would be surprised. It's very myopic, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I went to camp one year. You know, when when something's so myopic, you think it's you. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, that's like everything. Like wherever you grow up, you're surprised when you leave. Well, hopefully. You I mean, know what like, I mean? But, like it would be bad like, as if you have no surprise and you kind of love, you know. Right. 
it's really kind of like myopic town. But I, when I went to camp, I met a, a Jewish kid. And I was like, oh, And that was a surprise? Fucking great. Yeah, I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so I literally went home to my folks and said, I just, I don't think this is for me. Like, What, I, Connecticut? Yeah, well, uh, that part of Connecticut is yeah. like very, the Stanford wives. Oh. Was shot there. Oh, really? Like, that's the, t- like, you ever see the ice storm? Yeah. That's there. So I mean, that was shot there, and that's where it takes place. But they, so there were there were no Jews in Darien? Is that the the, the, the moral uh, of the story? No, you I, had, no, no. I, you had to go to camp to There's meet no a anything Jew? in Darien. I just, I just met someone who was different. <laughs> like a Jewish kid from Long Island or something, and he was- Oh, my God. He, I was like, I mean, he's still a friend of mine. Like, I was, I was so, what I thought is, like, how do I get diverse? And sadly- like a rich prep school was yeah. like way more diverse than where I was from. And it was great. I loved it. Like, What was the camp though that you went to? That was called Interlochen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like a crazy diverse place anyway, but I kept trying to, the reason I came to LA is I just, there are a lot of people I grew up with who still want to live there. And that is not what I want to do. Okay. So you're growing up there. You got siblings? Yeah. Younger sister. She's out here too. Oh, they yeah. both left. And your dad's what? Like, what? What do people do in Darien? What was his business? Well, he was in advertising and then brand identity. But he um, he's a copywriter. Yeah, he was. Uh, no, no, he was in like he worked at Gray Advertising when I was younger. And in the uh, city, yeah, he was. A lot of guys are bankers, mm-hmm. so he was a little different, a little more creative, which was cool. And uh, but he got on the train every day. Yeah, and uh, and that's what it. It's actually been very hard for me later in life to. I, I knew no artists when I was younger. And what, what did your mom do? She was a homemaker, and then now she works at a local school there. Yeah, so no, no. Uh, like, when did you start? Is, I mean, for all your listeners, I've listened to so many awesome episodes of this show. Yeah. This is so boring, don't, my don't, life. I'm so sorry. Don't pressure yourself. I mean, we maybe just, like, start later. No, we're going to get there. <laughs> no, but, I, no, but I, it's not boring. There is something about, you know, growing up in, in, a, in a place that is so set and kind of, like, creepy because it's so not, well when everyone's a swan and you're a duck yeah right you go like i'm an ugly piece of shit yeah and uh you know everyone was so good at sports and my dad he coached a lot of these intramural teams so and, you tried to do sports yeah i'd be like dad good news i got the lead in <laughs> joseph and the amazing technicolor dream code you know <laughs> he's like okay like and god bless him they i mean my parents <laughs> even for living there were really really supportive of something that they truly had no information about. So you were a theater kid? I, you do it at high yeah, school? A little bit, but I was so, my grades were so bad that I couldn't even really do the plays. I mean, it was like- Really? They wouldn't let you do plays because your grades were bad? Sometimes, yeah. I was just not feeling, when I started going to boarding school, I started work a little harder is and that, then is I that, got a- Is um, that why they sent you to boarding school? Maybe without my now, I thought I wanted to go, but maybe they were like, "This, we gotta get this kid out of here." But he's, uh, he's going down. It was a little bit like it just wasn't. I was wanting to do stuff with my video camera. Right? Did you? Well, a lot of the time it was like, well, if you finish your homework, you can then, you know, and then you're you like, you were stuck, man. Yeah, I really was stuck, and God bless my parents for uh, for letting me kind of get out and be whatever I was going to be, and they were. So tell me, by I'll- the way, they they ordered a variety. When I got seventy show, they ordered variety. And it came like eight days late. <laughs> oh, oh, really? To, but that's to, how supportive they are. They, they, they wanted to be in the loop. Yeah, my mom would call me and say, like, you know, they're uh, 
I don't know if you missed it. They're renegotiating your deal. No, no, no. It was like they're doing a Jurassic Park movie, you know, Jurassic Park 3. And I'd be like, well, you know, I'm sure my agent's aware of that. But anyway, the weird part of the story is my last year of boarding school, I had the lead in the school play. Mm -hmm. And Bonnie and Terry Turner, you know, they did like, they were on SNL and they did Wayne's World and Tommy Boy. And they were, they just won the Golden Globe for Third Rock. Right. They, uh, their daughter did the sets of this play. And so you went to school to, with her. Yeah. When I came to LA th- to go to USC for that one year, yeah, they called me up and said, do you want to uh, come try it? So that's my first audition. That's the crazy story. So they remembered you from the play? Yeah, well, I knew their daughter too. I mean, I, I remember seeing them, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Turner, you know, yeah. parents weekend and stuff. And then, uh, and the play was very weird. Our, the drama teacher didn't show up a lot. Yeah. So we added, by the way, it was, it was bad, but it was- Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Coach? No, that <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I played like a bush in that thing. Or something. Uh-huh. I, that this was a funny thing happened with the form, and and the the drama teacher was sort of AWOL most of the time, and you guys just riffed or yeah. And I'm sure some of I'm sure most of it sucked, <laughs> but I'm sure some of it these like great comedy writers who happened in the audience were like, well, we're not going to find that in LA. Like this kid is weird. Like, yeah. and I, we were doing some weird stuff. Yeah, like we didn't think that was funny enough, uh, right? Like Sondheim, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so like so we wanted to upped it. Yeah, like add the Macarena or whatever was like. Oh, you did that know, kind of stuff. Pop culture. Yeah, but 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 uh, it was so weird that I think they made an impression. They also probably ran through everyone in L.A. and didn't find someone who was enough of well, a nerd. I, you don't have to. I, I mean, maybe. Why don't we just assume that you no, were? No, I the actually guy? know that for a fact. Oh, <laughs> for a fact, they've seen a lot of people. <laughs> but. Uh, well, let's go back because I never—I didn't go to boarding school, and mm. uh, I need to know, you know, just who you were in that environment. Uh, this will be so boring, but uh, what do you mean? What are we going to do? We already told your origin story, the '70s right. story. I mean, what are you going to go home now? You know, you are right, though. Everyone usually just wants to hear that part of it. Boarding school? No, but I mean, you got to go because you're like you're you're spiraling. You're not doing well in school. Uh, you're not. You're no good at sports. Am I picturing you're you're, you're, you're dead on? <laughs> and uh, you're you're. What do you have friends? Do you have friends? No, I had one oh or two friends God. who I now say, it's a sad story. Let's make Topher. a video with my with my video camera, yeah. you know. And they'd be like, like what, man? Like let's let's, let's smoke I don't weed. Know what they and wanted to kill let's an play animal. lacrosse or something. <laughs> yeah, it was pre. It was pre that. That stuff was when I was at boarding school. Oh. It was like <laughs> that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so your parents sent you to boarding school. What grade? Well, I, so I begged to go to boarding school. This is, I think they had to, like, I mean, they they were doing fine, but it's, right. you know, to say, like, I'm you're going to start paying for college now right? and then pay for college, you know, it's like, yeah. I really, uh, I owe them one. But, yeah. uh, well, you can pay them back. You don't have to owe them. No, not that much. You know okay. I mean? Just a lot of thank yous. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they, um, they uh, sent me, and yeah. what I realized right away is that the kids who want to go to boarding school, which is about- Five percent of the class love it. It's co-ed. Yeah. It's everyone thinks it's Dead Poet Society. But right. It's like miniature college. It's yeah. great. But the other ninety-five percent are sent there by their parents, and they're the first to get kicked out. Like fucked it. up rich kids. Yep. Yeah. But I always bonded with the kids who, like me, knew how lucky they were to be there, and it's a. It was. It was great. It was like I was talking to girls years before I would have. Yeah. And it just gets you out of that small town dynamic where everyone knows each other and you're all kind of doomed. I, to be honest, and this will really surprise you, yeah, I still wasn't that popular, but I was able to do my thing. Yeah, and and people really appreciated. Uh, like I made a video yearbook and I was in the plays and stuff, and I felt 
like even if they thought I was weird, they're like, all right, cool. Like, there's yeah. kind of room to do your thing. Well, it's weird because like you know, most of your characters are, are, are the ones I re- are most memorable. They're, they're either earnest or, or like weirdly confident and maybe a little <laughs> slimy. Uh, <laughs> well, the slimy thing for sure, yeah. Yeah, and you're like you're, it's not you're not really like that. It seems. Well, that's nice you to say. I think <laughs> the traffic, which is the first movie I was in. And I've done this, I just did it with Spike Lee recently, where yeah. I'm in the room with the director. In that case, yeah. it was Steven Soderbergh. Right. And they're like, I know these kids. Like, I grew up with these kids. Like, please let me play. Oh, in traffic. People. Yeah, for sure. And it's just kind of the same thing in Black Klansman. Like, I. You didn't grow up with those people, did you? No, but uh, I. Uh, no, I didn't grow up with anyone who I think was in the KKK, but I did grow up with people who were kind of weirdly confident and kind of. You know, yeah. David Dukes, he was actually a politician, but before that, he was a politician. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there's something I really like about that that falseness. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So in, in, in these prep schools, though, uh, were you dealing with what, what what level prep school was it? Were there Kennedys there or were there like- uh, <laughs> Who was there? I'm trying to think. Major families, like, you know, like heirs- no, that's what, that's where I was from was kind of like uh, Chloe Seveny was my babysitter. Chloe Seveny was in your babysitter? Yeah. She did, was, you, her, did her folks live there? Yeah. Really? She's from there? She was, uh, we were in plays together. She was the Tin Man and I was the, uh, I was the Tin Man. She was a scarecrow. Really? Yeah. And uh, Jamie Vanderbilt, uh, who uh, wrote Truth, this Kate Blanchett movie I did. And yeah. He actually wrote a movie that Chloe's in Zodiac. Uh he was like the wizard. <laughs> I mean, like, really? So that town was more kind of like that. And then the boarding schools I chose were great, but they were more uh, like a liberal arts. But it seems like there was uh, obviously it did nurture some arts because Chloe, you just assume, was this like kind of like product of New York weirdness. I know. Like, and she seems like she's been that way since she was seven. Yeah. So, well, there was, okay, my Chloe's story is, which I think you'll like, is she babysat for us. I had such yeah. a huge crush on her. Yeah, of course you did. You have blow to her have kisses a- behind her back. So she turned oh. back like bloke. I mean, I was young. Yeah. Um, and then she shaved off all her hair. Yeah. And moved to New York. Right. And then when I was at boarding school, I think senior year, someone said, "Hey, uh, there's this kids movie. Yeah. Chloe Seven using it. And yeah. I thought, oh, she's in like a kids movie. Yeah. Like this guy had such a crush. This is like my hot babysitter from when I was. <laughs> and so I went to watch the movie. And if you didn't know anyone that was raped by a guy with AIDS, yeah. At the end of that film, it's yeah. disturbing. <laughs> But then knowing the person who right. does get, I was like, I mean, I didn't think about sex for like four days. Yeah. Which was right. a record a amount of time yeah. at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's a, a very odd and unique talent, that person. She's uh, great. I mean, I just saw her at Cannes when yeah. we went to Cannes with this thing and she's uh, she's so cool. She's making her own short films and I'm sure she felt what I was talking about with yeah. the ugly duckling thing times yeah. a thousand. But do you uh, do you guys are you guys still friends or were you like do you, well we were never really, really friends oh, as adults but I I, yeah. I see yeah, yeah I still yeah. you know still it's not weird I still pay her to come over and babysit you know it just <laughs> that's weird makes me sleep better and it's nice that she's open to that well yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you, okay so you're in boarding school you're 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 feeling better about yourself you're doing what kind of plays are you doing there. Just the four. The well, sometimes if you did the sports, you could you only had could do a small part. Yeah. So I mostly like kind of small parts, and then I got a, I sprained my ankle doing tennis. I got on varsity tennis, which is a big deal, just for me too. Because I was like, I can't believe I'm going to get a letter. Can you still play? No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, maybe a little bit, yeah. but uh, 
And then I, I sprained my ankle and I said, fuck it, I'm going to try out for this play. And there was a kid everyone really thought was going to get it. Yeah, the lead? I, he boycotted the uh, the show once I got the lead. The kid did? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Uh, and how long did that rivalry last? <laughs> probably still going on. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad still. But, yeah. uh, well, especially because he's probably thinking- if I'd only done that lead, I'd be starring in Black Klansman or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what play was it? That was that was a funny thing I've been with for him. Oh, okay. That was that was your that was the game changing show. That was a, that was your big break. That was everything. Well, that play <laughs> at that boarding school. Was this at Brewster? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it really was. It, and then what it really was was when Bonnie Turner called me at, in college, which I, I had gone to for film school and then didn't get in. Like mm-hmm. I was thrice rejected. From, from USC? From USC, but I was going to USC general admission. I thought, what am I even doing out here? And then I think I was like, I was high. And I mean, just hanging out in the dorm and someone called on the phone. You know, you didn't have cells then. She called me in on the, the hallway. Line. No, no, it was in, we had him in our room. Oh, And she said, hey, fancy. it's Bonnie. And I said, You're in a, Bonnie like ran Saturday Night Live yeah. for a while. Like she's very impressive. Yeah. She, I said, Bonnie who? She said, Bonnie Turner. And I didn't, I, I said, like, did we fuck? <laughs> something, something like that. Like, like <laughs> some kind of thing. And she's, no, it's Lindsay's mom. I was like, oh my God. Like, hey, hey uh, paranoid out of my mind. Like, Why are you calling me? And then she said, we're doing this show. And she told me the whole plot of the show. Yeah. And I said, oh, like, I, I was thinking in my mind, like, I don't want to be her assistant. Yeah. Right. Even though it's a great deal. You know what I mean? It'd be mm-hmm. great to go be your assistant. It doesn't feel right. And then she wants you to come try out for the lead. And I went like, whoa. Like, I guess I'm yeah. not doing anything else. And But you, you really weren't planning on being an actor at all. No, I was truly, when they say undecided, because I'd been rejected from the film squad. No idea. You wanted to be a director? I guess at the time, when I thought I knew what the definition of director was then, yes. Yeah. But now that I know what it is, absolutely not. But So you're a pretty lost guy, usually. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, I would give anyone the advice to be lost at that age. It's yeah. like the best time to sure. be open to whatever. Yeah. And uh, when she called me, I remember getting it, and you'll understand this, <laughs> how something good turns crappy so quickly. Oh, yeah. Like- <laughs> It happened, it already happened today. <laughs> With this interview, right? No, no. Like- <laughs> yeah, this is going terrible. No. She, uh, I got it. I mean, I, they made me audition like 200 times because I think they thought, are we really going to give this kid who went to school with our daughter? But it was something they were doing kind of across the board. Yeah. Ashton never acted. And, but at least like he was a top model at the time or like- He was? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, but they thought, are we really going to give this kid this role? And then they did. And I came back to the dorm and it was spring break. So like no one was even there. I had to stay there to go to the final audition. And I walked in. There was like no one in this huge dorm. And then I was watching like TV, you know, it was echoing through the whole place. Yeah. And I saw an ad for the X-Files. We were going to come on right before the X-Files. And yeah. they like turned to the camera and said, I don't know, whatever the, you know, the you know Fox, Fox yeah. is number one. Or, yeah. And I immediately had a headache for a month because I went, I, what am I doing? Like I never dreamed that much would ever happen to me. And then, yeah. but then when we started uh, working on it a month later, then I felt better because it was so tough. Wait, tough how? Oh my! I remember the director saying to me during the pilot, "Like, um, good, great job on that take. You didn't yeah. face the cameras. <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing. I, I mean, I had no idea. 
Uh, and the fact that some of those are rerunning like right now yeah. <laughs> is like crazy to me. But who was a creator? Who, Mark Brazil. Mark Brazil also. Yeah, it was a, it was a three was, of them really. Yeah, Brazil. I did comedy briefly. Yeah. I, I just met him, I think, for the first time recently. He's great. I just saw him a couple months ago. It's uh, They were so, all of us are so grateful. All the kids on that show had very little experience. Yeah, Milo I mean, had some experience. Mil- Ashton and who were the other ones? Dan- Danny had, he'd yeah. been on some sitcoms for right. Percy Warner, but uh, Laura had never acted. Right. Ashton never acted. I mean, Wilmer barely spoke English. Yeah. And we are, every year that goes by, I realize more and more how lucky I was with that situation. I mean, I knew at the time I was lucky, but you know, it's like just yeah. to be with those kind of adults who are taking care of you. And, yeah. And to and to honestly to get famous with other people, yeah. not alone. I worked with Don Stark did an episode of my show. Oh, he's great, man. Yeah, he's so great. fucking good. Yeah, he's yeah. funny. He's, he's solid. He's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a nice little guy. Everyone there was like a. I mean, the people who weren't heavy hitters were us at the beginning. Who was the guy who played your dad? Uh, Kurtwood. He did. He did an episode of my show too. Actually, what's going on, man? I just it seems I, like kind of personal that <laughs> you've hired everyone on the show except for me. My show's gone, and you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> It was on IFC. I know my buddy, my best friend, Richie Keene. He directed some episodes. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He's your best friend? Yeah. He's a nice guy. He's a great guy. He did a good job. He loves you too, yeah. Oh, does he? Yeah. So you you had no, like, so did you ever take any acting or did you just learn all of it? Can you believe it? No, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, no. I think you're good. But I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where, because I talk to a lot of actors now, and especially now that I'm acting a bit, I I like talking to actors because- Yeah, no, I listen to your show. I love how you talk about the process of, first of all, only now do I understand how different stand-up is from acting. Right. Uh, Just because I didn't understand what stand-up was. And I have some friends who do stand up, and I think like who, um, no one, no one good, Don't. no one that I know. <laughs> but I do understand how tough it is, and uh, I, I love how you've talked about what it ta- how different a thing it is. I actually think it's, I think it's easier than stand up. That's where I've acting. Oh, yeah. for sure it is. Yeah, because you can do this. Like, can we do that again? Right. <laughs> I mean, th- just that question. Also, when it- I've seen what it takes, the work you can kind of. I think Seinfeld says something about this, which is kind of shitting on <laughs> some of those people in his cast oh, who are very talented. But it's true. Like, you can walk in the door like I did and just start acting. Yeah. And maybe you kind of have a skill for it. You cannot start doing stand-up. That's true. But the weird thing is, is that if somebody's a funny actor, like, uh, especially on his show, like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I mean, she's a fucking genius. And she there's is, nothing that yeah. Seinfeld will ever do out of his own brain as comedy that will ever be even a little bit as funny as Julia Weidreif is doing anything. That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I actually- I mean, he can talk for saying. 10 hours. I would say, though, what she time. has is a, a learned over a long period of time skill, too. Like, she didn't- you can't drop in and be like she was. But not unlike you, there's something about comedic acting- that I don't think stand-ups necessarily get. You watch most stand-ups do acting. They're pretty good at being serious. Yeah, that's so funny. That's so true. You know? That's so true. Like that's if, actually what you want. If you, you look really at the want, weak yeah. link in the cast of Seinfeld, it's definitely Jerry Seinfeld. In terms of acting. Yeah. 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 It's just, well, I didn't think I'd shit on Jerry Seinfeld. 
probably the greatest uh, sitcom of all time. No, we're not shitting on him. I'm just I'm no, I'm answering his commentary. Yeah, I mean you, there is people who act who have a natural ability, and I think and I've what I've grown to learn after talking to a lot of actors mm-hmm. is that that for some people that's a huge part of it. I mean, you can't explain it. I mean, there there are classically trained people that are amazing and do all these things, but people who just show up and do the task at hand in one character, they can nail it. But there's no crime in that. Well, I'll tell you two things were my school, which is one, I took a class at the Groundlings when I in that month that I didn't know whether you're going to get it or not. No, no, I had it. I just had to wait, you know, like a month and a half before we started working on it. Yeah. So like terrified did, did somebody recommend you do that i no i think will ferrell was on snl and i said you know we didn't have the internet then but i was like how did he right led me there and i'm glad i did because it wasn't an acting class it was an improv class and those skills aren't uh someone imposing something on you right like some method right it's just like oh if i go off script i have the ability to uh there's something within me that'll create something. So that was really helpful. Give you a little confidence. Yeah. And then, you know, the school really was it. Like doing it. Uh, oh, yeah. Every day you're getting up. You got to do the whole process of makeup, sit there, get your lines in your head. Whenever I hear a young person shit on being a sitcom, yeah, I think, what an idiot. Yeah. Like it is the greatest school, like a boot camp or like yeah. a graduate school, whatever you want to call it, for acting. There's a filmic element, so yeah. you learn that. There's a live audience, so yeah. there's kind of like a theater element. Yeah. And when you suck, which you do, especially like me, if you've never acted before, yeah. you get back up next week, you do yeah. another show. Yeah. And and over, I mean, I think everyone on that show would tell you that, that over like, yeah, four or five years, we got good. You and you, yeah, you all became very defined characters. I mean, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, you were sort of the straight man. Right to a lot of the well, that was hard for me to f- learn how to be funny within that. Yeah, there is a humor, but it's like uh, there's moments where you're just setting other people up. Yeah, but all of it was like, God, it was like uh, if you leave liberal arts college and you go to work at a blacksmith. Yeah, like and you're just making horseshoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, your first eighty horseshoes are gonna suck, and then you know. But were you like working around somebody like Kurtwood, who's like, you know, he's a real deal. I mean, yeah, he does. I'll tell you something Kurtwood told me. Yeah. Just recently we had lunch and he is not only one of the great actors, he's also just a really great guy. Yeah. And he said the first week, I mean, I'm so ashamed of this, but he was so wonderful when he told me the story because I'd never worked with actors either. Like, so it's not just that, like in my audition, I brought like, they said, bring a uh, you know, a picture and a resume. Yeah. I said, like, what? What is that? <laughs> and they said, you know, like a picture of you so we can see what Headshot, you look like. And it was yeah. like me, me and my friends at Six Flags. That's yeah. what I brought. And they were like, who is this kid? <laughs> and the the resume was like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and Suncoast Video and whatever. You worked at Suncoast Video? Yeah. And Dunkin' Donuts? And Fox knows about it now because I brought that resume oh. in. And, uh, and then the first week so i was like bad at that stuff but it was charming but then we were doing it there's a way as you know to talk to actors and that's a skill that you're learning in tandem with being an actor yeah is also you're only as good as kind of right how you communicate with the other actors on you mean off screen or on screen off screen oh yeah and uh so so the first week i mean i didn't even remember this kurtwood said that he came in and did his line. You know, this is rehearsal. We still yeah. have like five days until we're going to tape it. Yeah. He said his line and I go, oh, sorry, man. That's not how I saw you saying it when I read this in my head last night. 
you know, this guy already worked for 25, 30 years. He's in RoboCop and Dead Poet Society yeah. and like tons of Shakespeare. And here's this kid who's like in a teen. Yeah. He's like, that's not how it was in my head. And, and he remembered it. That's what, that, that's, uh, that's. I mean, for anyone listening, you, you're like, tell, that is the worst thing you could say to another actor. It's like, that's not how it was in my head. Yeah. What does that even mean? Like, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, it's, it is. It's what about if I came that. to you on the set and I gave you a line reading? Yeah. That's like illegal. But yeah, but you don't think like looking back on it, that that was really your intent. You were just surprised because you had planned it, your thing a different way. So instead of saying like. <laughs> yeah, that's I, right. I wasn't telling him what to do, but right. I was like, that's not going to jive with what I have prepared, man. Right, yeah. <laughs> and Kerwood, this is, just shows what a wonderful <laughs> man he is. Yeah. And he really was a real father figure us yeah. on that show. He said, uh, when we went and had lunch, I and mean, I sat there like, oh, Kerwin, I'm so sorry. I, I It's I like, two, what is it, 20 years later? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He goes, hey, man, you were so good. Yeah. It was really nice of him. Because there was a quality that I knew I was doing good, but then I'm sure I was doing so many things wrong. I just yeah. feel bad for- But like when you were on the set, like, I mean, because- <sighs> I, I guess like just working, you know, just doing it and, and getting a, a chemistry going. But when I do things now, like I still, because I, I haven't done that much TV and I'm doing, I did my show and I'm doing Glow. But like I, I, I really do, it's, I'm still getting the, I don't know when my coverage is happening. I, I'm still not, like I'm still not hip to, like I'm putting, I'm going all in every time. <laughs> and then someone has to come up to me and go, it's, the camera's not on <laughs> Oh, okay. So I'll just ease up a little bit. Those are tricks. You know, I agree with you. There's either a core thing you have or you don't. Yeah. I know people who are allergic to acting and it will never, no matter how hard they could work at right. it, you either kind of understand it or not. But then to the point you made about Julia Louis-Dreyfus or yeah. anyone on that show, because they, they all had a lot of experience. Yeah. Like, they had gotten to that place right. uh, over a long period of time. And those were pros. And you never went back to, uh, you never trained at all. No, uh, <laughs> I always feel like that sounds terrible when I say it. I, you know, the other thing I did that was amazing is when, after the show ended, uh, yeah. I went and did a show in New York uh, that Paul Weitz wrote, who I did a Paul Weitz movie, but he wrote a show and that was its own kind of, I've never a been theater the same. show? Yeah, yeah. I'd never done one, you know, outside of high school plays. Yeah. And that was like a school too, because I learned about the way I prepare now, like for this movie I just did, like I take months and- work on the character and, yeah oh yeah and get so off book and i've rehearsed it myself before i go into rehearsal you know how long were you, you did the 70s show for like a million years right for seven years seven and you're doing like 23 a year right yeah there was one year because of the strike or an impending strike that we did 29 or so they were really uh we didn't know how to say no right so we did the most you could do did you get to a point, like, at what point were you like, uh, what happens after this? Is this the, the life for me? Because a lot of people don't survive television. The sitcom thing, yeah. Especially the sitcom thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the first year, some people went to do movies. Yeah. And uh, I read a bunch of, you know, Titanic had come out like two years before. Yeah. So there was kind of a lot of teen Well, how old were you, fair. man? I was 18 or 19. Yeah. I was 18 during the pilot. Yeah. And so there was a lot of like teen stuff. Yeah. And you'd get paid and and it looked fun. You know, yeah. you'd go up to Canada and you're in some hotel with a bunch of people your age yeah. and who knows what happens. But I'd read these scripts and just think, I mean, granted, I'd never read scripts before. Yeah. I was like, this just doesn't seem good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, bad at reading scripts. They never seem good. 
It's, well, you know, I most of them aren't good. Oh, is that true? Uh, in my experience, yeah. yeah. So where they're kind of like something else. Yeah. Or, but I thought, so I sat out the first summer. After the first year of 70 Yeah, and then I came back. You know, it really is like there's a summertime and you come back for fall semester of 70 show or whatever. And everyone had done these movies and I went, oh man, maybe I kind of made a mistake. Like, Well, now you got to wait a year. Like, you know, I, yeah, if you're on a months, Netflix yeah. show, it's like- oh, a, oh, you have time off. Yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> a year. Like, we shoot 10. You guys are shooting 20. I'm so jealous. Everyone wants the gig you have right now. Like, yeah. I, I like, Julie Roberts wants that gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everyone wants that gig. Um, so, congrats. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, when did you finally kind of break out and so do something I, I think I made a deal with myself that I just wouldn't do anything- that I like, I'd rather just not be an actor at the end of the experience because I hadn't wanted to be an actor. I wasn't one of those kids who had like a yeah, my speech wasn't planned in the shower, you right? Know, my, yeah, my yeah, speech or whatever. Yeah, so I just thought maybe I'll just kind of like not act after this. And who knew when it was going to end either, you know, at that in the but you guys were doing good by the th- second or third season, you're making some money. Uh, yeah, but I don't. It, I know by the time I, basically it was all the things I said no to that I credit. Not when I got traffic, it yeah. was like, oh, well, obviously I'm going to do this. Yeah. So that wasn't hard. It was saying no to a bunch of kind of seductive things. And and no, I remember at that time we weren't, we were like picked up, but the show, you know, the show really didn't hit until like the fifth season. Really? It was like on. Yeah. Uh, but I credit two things, which is one, we got better as actors, you know, it took a while. And two- uh, Ashton really blew up. Yeah. And uh, and that brought just the right, you know, just like the, it was the tipping point for us. Ashton is like, I learned a lot from that guy. Yeah. And, My you boy. know, he had as much experience as I had when we started, which is zero. But uh, he is the king of commitment. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not even sure if, uh, if someone who had more experience could teach you this lesson because yeah. he- because I, I think people would be wary, you know, if they've been in the business longer. Right. That guy, no matter what it was, yeah. the writers were great on that show. Yeah. But, you know, once in a while there's something maybe you don't want to do. Yeah. Ashton would not only do it, he'd do it at like an a thousand. Yeah. And the audience would be, ro- I'd go, this is not even a good joke. And the audience <laughs> is rolling around. Like, and, and he'd do everything like, it was great. I really. All in. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was really, and that's an important lesson to learn especially in comedy, like yeah, right away. Sure. Commit all the way. Yeah. It's, I, you know, that's, I think the big fear, like certainly as a comic where you don't have much say in it necessarily. And you know, it's, you know, like, no, this joke's horrible. Well, I'd love to see you on the set of glow. How does this go down when you don't like something? No, they, they kind of, the character is kind of built around me. So like, <laughs> and in the sense that it's not inherently a comedy. It's not a joke to joke show. No, no. But let's say you just don't like something you're doing. How does that? Oh, I, I, I'll say that. I'll say. I'll, I'll say. Oh, I'm not like, surprised. But then, yeah. then how does it go? It, well, I mean, usually it doesn't happen that often because it's so you know uh, it's a big cast, and usually my scenes are pretty tight. And they then and after the first season, or even after the first few sh- scripts, they were able to kind of write my voice and stuff. That's so the most I, wonderful thing about television. That's the that's like the miracle of television yeah. is that these writers are in this symbiotic thing right. with you. So like yeah. it's really it comes down to character issues. And if it's a word or a line, I mean I'll just say it different and and then and then the writer will come up to me and go like, Okay, that's good, but can you say the one that uh, And then what do you say? <laughs> well I give them all the versions, you know, because I don't right. Yeah, because I don't what do I know? I, I mean I, I know I know how to write for myself. 
but but sometimes like uh, maybe they, they maybe it's not uh, it, it's very important to me in that moment but you gotta I, you gotta you assume that they know what they're doing yes that's the the whole end game of the thing for me has been like just working with the right people yeah because it's full trust either way right and it's like a lot of times unless it's like a real character thing where i'm like this guy wouldn't do that like they're yeah. and i think they can miss that and i imagine in a broader sitcom that probably happens a lot where it's just sort of like it's a joke for a joke's sake it's you know we were i think we were pretty good um compared to other shows that had young people in it yeah. in terms of playing ball like i you know i, I think a lot of Think about other shows that were on at the time, but you, a lot of these younger casts will kind of. I think they're scared. I think they're yeah. coming from a place of they'll look foolish or something. And and the good thing about that whole cast is no one minded looking foolish, which is, yeah, you know, you're halfway there. And I knew that. I mean, I grew up in that time, so it wasn't no. nostalgia. It was nostalgia for me, but I knew like I, I was kind of familiar with. Well, now, that dude, imagine world. everyone. I grew up with people saying that to me because I was on the show. But now I have people saying like, "Man, I grew up on that show." On that I'm show, like, what? yeah. Didn't they do an '80s show too? They did. That, how long that go? Do you know on? Glenn Howerton? Yeah. He was the star of that 80s show. Oh. He was like my counterpart on that show, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that. I didn't watch it. Was it on a while? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so in like with movies, so that traffic was your first movie? Yeah, so that experience was uh like it was I kind of was hovering around like I want to do something better, but then to get something that's that good, with yeah. a director that's that. I mean, talk about having trust in a director. Like, I can't even imagine. He's got he does a lot of different things. He's very good. I I have no sense of what he's like as a person, but he certainly great. takes he takes risks. He's so easygoing though. You I, you think I had the same thing with Chris Nolan. I, I thought before I went to work with him, I thought, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna be like so intense because yeah. the material's so good, yeah. and uh, it's just the opposite. It's so loose and traffic was like you know he operates the camera oh he does so he'll and he does these kind of jump cuts so he'll kind of i mean you know when someone's yelling at you from video village yeah, like yeah. you know be happier or whatever yeah. this guy he'll just like pop the camera off his shoulder for a second and say like yeah do that again and try to you know put the oh so he's right in on it? top of the thing yeah yeah and uh man it was i was really spoiled by that because yeah, it was like i just work with a director who has a mic at video village like there's loudspeakers on the set i would say i don't like that yeah <laughs> I'd say that is the opposite. Why don't you have someone who's just at home? Yeah. They're just kind of Skyping in, you know? I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. It's, it's only happen. a matter of time. But yeah. like that, that your part in that, and that, that story and that, that was so menacing and horrible. There was, there was a, that's a disturbing bit of business, that movie. Well, I'll tell you something that happened after that was, because I, I cut my hair, which I'd grown long for the 70s. Yeah. I went to the Golden Globes with Erica Christensen, who was the girl in it. Yeah. And everyone was coming up. And she was the one who got strung out? Yeah. And everyone's like, you're great. And she'd say, and Topher's in it. And they like, what part did you play? Because my hair was long end yeah. for the show. And I was like, what part? And I was like, no one's going to know. Because these things are too different. I should yeah. have done like a wacky comedy that's kind of like set. And only like, you know, five or six years later, I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Yeah. Like I should totally do shit that doesn't, it, you know, it's not good for money. Yeah. That's what I've learned. Like it's not good for money to do things that are totally different because no one can get no one can monetize it because you're typecast and they think that they're not going to be you're, you're well, not if you're typecast then you make money because right. you go oh that's what i expect well, from that's this what person. i mean right but if you do something that's way outside of what they expect out of you then they think well, they're they taking can't even track it they go what is this and you know i'm still doing it and 
you know uh so you I, just went back to the 70s show and you felt like no one noticed your performance yeah I went, and, this is like horrible like no one knows i was even in that movie and the truth is yeah the people watching traffic were not watching that 70s show but over a long period of time it's the way i get i get it up doing lots of different you know what sure, i mean like yeah really, for sure well i mean that scene like that was some heavy you know i mean i just talked to michael douglas and he's like he's like a, he's a heavy actor really and oh, no yeah. matter what kind of casual kind of you know, happy-go-lucky guy. No, 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 seems. no. You don't even know, man. That first day, the first day I had ever on film, I yeah. never shot something outside of a studio. Yeah. So I never shot outdoors before. Yeah. We're in this car, and I have this speech where I'm telling him off. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he got an Oscar already. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, listen to me, you piece of shit, or whatever my speech is to yeah. him. And uh, I guess the third take, because Steven doesn't do a lot of takes, the yeah. third take, he goes, just lose it on this kid. Like, just for his reaction, just right. lose it on him. You didn't know he said that to him? You, I, I mean, you can't play it back now, but I have a very strange reaction at the end of the speech I give him where yeah. I go from like a full smile into like a, yeah. like I'm about to cry. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it's from that, he lost it on me in this car. It's, we're sitting in this car. Yeah. This, the, that part wasn't used in the movie. Right, right. But he loses on me so hardcore. And I thought like, I, I mean, <laughs> no idea what was happening. Was it, did it seem personal? Oh, beyond. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on in the moment. And then, you know, afterwards, they both came up to me and said, hey, rock star, you're, you're fucking awesome. And I was like, whoa, where am I? I did like a photo shoot with him a couple of years ago. Like, I love Michael. And that was my- Your he baptism? Really popped cherry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was he yelling at you? You know, I now realize it was improvised, but he was like, you know, I'm like really telling, I don't know if you remember the scene, but I'm really I, telling him off. Yeah. Which is so ironic because I'm like, I got his daughter hooked on smack, but yeah. I'm telling him about the- um, how drugs affect different neighborhoods and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, oh, and he's like the drug czar, right? Yeah, he's the yeah. drug czar of America. Yeah. So he started yelling at me and he's not fucking around. You're yeah. right. When he like when he turns on the Douglas, yeah. which, you know, yeah. it runs in the family. Yeah. You know, he just, uh, he lost on me. And and uh, then when they said cut, he kind of grabbed me and went like, that was great. And yeah. I went like, where, <laughs> where am I? Like, <laughs> yeah. After he just abused you, almost made you cry. And some of that stuff was so hardcore. I, it was Before it, I kind of made a promise to myself, like, I want to do good stuff. But when I finished that film and then saw it later that year, I went, that's it. Like, I just have to be in good things. I don't care if I ever get paid or, I, you know, I don't care what... Um, or at the very least, I have to be in the pursuit of being in something yeah. that I believe in. And the experience is good. You like doing films. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I love it. And playing different things. Yeah, I mean, I saw, like, I really like that movie uh, In Good Company. Oh, man, me too. Yeah, Paul White's is... That's the guy you did the play with, too? Yeah, Paul uh, Paul and Chris wrote and directed American Pie and then About a Boy. Uh-huh. And that was Paul's first time directing alone. Yeah. And they've done, they've had so much success. I just thought it was a sweet movie. And you got yeah. and, and you got to you know work with uh, Quaid, who's like another. He was in traffic. Know. I actually yeah. knew him from traffic. Yeah. Oh right, husband. right. He, oh, that's great. That was great because he was sort of a slimy one. And he was actually in Truth, this Kate Blanchett movie I did two years ago, and it's like we've worked together a lot. Wait, he's that was really the one great. with Robert Redford. That, yeah. Oh, that's right. But he he's another guy that's got like really surprising range. But I tell you, a lot of what I'm talking about, he yeah. feels very strongly about like trying different things. And, yeah. The more you go into go at it that way, the more you meet people who are like that, who yeah, you know, are willing to take. I mean, that guy, he's taking some really cool risks. You yeah. know, like he'll be on like uh, 
the Amy Schumer show or something. Sure. You know what I mean? Like he'll just yeah. be doing stuff you don't. Uh, we I went and did Workaholics because he said I'm going to do Workaholics. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But, which uh, which movie did you do with uh, Nolan? I was I have a small part in Interstellar. Oh, that's right. That's a crazy movie. I I did you know I'm talking about it now like it's all one chunk. But yeah. I've been acting for so long. Like to be honest, there was a period where I did more romantic comedies than I. You know, I did get into a little bit of a rut for me. Which ones? Uh, I don't know. Valentine's Day? That would be one of them. <laughs> but I did have a thing With where- With Gary Marshall? <laughs> stop, stop, Gary. Gary Marshall? I loved Gary. I mean, I, look, that's one of the better ones because you're doing a rom-com and it's like opposite Anne Hathaway and Gary Marshall's directing. And if you're going to do one, it's with- Look at everybody in that movie. Oh my God. But I had a thing where after a period there, I went like- I, I said to my agents kind of a similar thing, which was I, I want to try different stuff. Yeah. Uh, Interstellar was the first of like the new stuff. By the way, I'm no longer with those agents. They were like, no. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They t- but I uh, I just, I said, I want I don't want to do that. And they kind of say, okay, so one more for the money. And then it's like. Oh, that's what they, they And I said, no, no, it? zero more for the money. Like I really want to, this was kind of from Interstellar on, I've really been working on stuff that I. That I really did. Do you have stuff that, like, I mean, is there stuff out there that you're like, oh, I'm embarrassed about? No, nothing I'm embarrassed about because good. I went into everything with the best of intentions. I just, you know what it was? You start going, wait, I've done all these moves before. Right. And it's, I'm not having a good day on set. This might even be a hit. As Valentine's Day right. was. It was a huge hit. But like, you know, when I go to set, that's not an exciting day. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the result instead of just what it is for me and a lot of this stuff like truth i don't know if you saw war machine but like david Machado, i think is an amazing director yeah and also being able to work with brad pitt and you know yeah kate blanchett and stuff like those that was i was like every day i was coming from and some of those movies didn't work truth didn't really i saw truth it, i thought that was good i didn't see war machine but i, don't I loved it too. i loved every day of those movies like i mean interstellar being on that set and yeah. i was like i don't even care if this comes out just to watch chris <laughs> nolan direct yeah for like three weeks i just sat around watch like it's like watching kubrick right do his thing so to me now what it's about i didn't think black klansman would hit as hard as it did i just wanted to work with spike lee and i was like this part's amazing and well, I mean, I think that's a good move. I mean, if you can afford to make that move, why not do it? I mean, you only live once, right? I did have a thing. It's funny. I just turned 40 and I did have a thing where where I had met my wife yeah. or the woman who's going to become my wife. And I was like, oh, I feel pretty, like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. I'm just going to die. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, sure. <laughs> like yeah. what, how many more years do I, you know, hopefully a bunch, but like, why don't I just do exactly what I want to do? And luckily I have a manager who was like- just keep going. One of them will hit. Right. Like, just do what you are really proud of. And uh, and I just want to work with these great auteurs, you know, they're, that are like, it's inspiring. That's great. I mean, yeah. and and it, so, like, how did the Spike Lee part happen? I I just read a lot now. I read a ton of scripts. You know, and I said, send me the new, you know, anyone I like. And Spike's one of them, you know, who's a great auteur. I said, you know, send me their stuff. And uh, he- If he's got a thing coming out? That kind of thing? Yeah, but when I read it, my people, there's nothing in it for you. And I said, no, no, I think I have a take on David Duke. There was just like silence on the other end of the phone. Your agents? Yeah, I don't think they were against it, but they were like, whoa, huh? Um, And they said, you're going to, they talked to him. They said, you're going to have to go in and like audition because uh, no one's seen you 
you know, do anything like that. And I said, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you got it. It's on you. It's like a proof of concept or something. So what'd you do? What'd you do to prepare? <laughs> well, the night before I was reading these sides alone in my office at home, like my wife had gone to bed yeah. and I couldn't say some of the words out loud. I'm, not, I'm sure you have the comedian friends who are, have figured out a way to use certain words. They're trying to find the humor in the word or something. Right. Well, yeah. You, I mean, you, you at some point say them alone just to disarm them or you, know, you can- I don't know what it is. You know, there's people, I'm not one of the people. I never tried to use certain words ever. Well, no, you don't definitely, you usually don't want to integrate them into conversation, but conversations have been had certainly- about, Sometimes, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm one of those people, like, I'm just a Boy Scout about it. I I couldn't find the humor in it or, or the- So you whatever. had to say, what, the N-word? A bunch of different words. Yeah. And then it's offensive on a, because he's kind of an intellect, which is bizarre in that world. You know what I mean? So like- Yeah, they're, they're, they're the dangerous ones. The ones yes. rewriting history and oh, I mean, foretelling in the his future. Case, like, yeah. really. So- Done as much research as I could on him. You know, I only had a couple days because Spike. Oh, you're watching down. tapes of him talking and stuff. Oh yeah, but it pales in comparison to what I was doing once I got the role, which was like just the most depressing. It was like the worst month of my life. Dude. It was like really terrible. The the shooting of it was really fun, but all the stuff leading up to it once I got it was like, you know, I read his autobiography, which is, um, oh here I see it on your bookshelf. No. Uh, <laughs> It's just research, man. It's right next. <laughs> That's to what I would account. have to tell someone. By the yeah. way, I would read it on a plane, and I, I'd, I'd be like, "Oh shit, I can't bring this on a plane." So I'd put a dust jacket of like <laughs> sure. something else on it, and still the person looking over me like, "What the fuck is this book about? This yeah. guy's reading." I mean, it's just you have to read it alone. So it, it's a, is it a racist manifesto? Basically, yeah, it's his mind comp. Yeah, it's like it's kind of his autobiography, I guess. Yeah. But it's more like it's horrible. You feel complicit. Yeah reading the words you know like and then i was watching these film scenes that they sent to me from the 70s and then listening to a bunch of his radio show for his voice because that doesn't age really and then the best was i is watched, he still on radio is he still doing oh, yeah oh i've heard his i mean i shouldn't say this on the air but yeah. i've heard his thing about the about the movie oh really i mean imagine watching fox news but it's about you yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean like oh really? he was talking about having his reactions and People were asking me in press. They're like, "Did you did you meet him?" And I was like, "Fuck no, I'm not gonna." Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to meet this guy. Like, yeah. ever want to have a conversation with him? But the the best thing but was he respond. He, he reacted to the movie. Yeah, he tweeted about it. My wife was like, "You know, wake up!" Like David Duke just tweeted about you. Uh, what did he say? You know, all of his stuff is uh, the reason I say Fox News is because it's like. Uh, like you're looking at the same story that you know, but you feel like it's really twisted in this right. weird way. Um, like his tweet was, what did I say? I said to an interviewer around when it came out in Cannes, I said did this long interview about how evil he was and uh -huh. how uh, I tried to, you know, when you're playing a bad guy, you try to see their point of view. And yeah. I really couldn't. So I just played kind of evil. I just went on about how much I didn't like him. That you couldn't, you couldn't take on... Uh, the way he thought. Yeah, I think you're supposed to as an actor yeah. with most maybe fictional villains uh -huh. say like, well, here's why I think the Joker is the way he, you know, I see yeah. it compassionately sure. from his side. But it has such ramifications on politics today. I mean, the yeah. news we were watching at the time yeah. that I was doing it that I, I couldn't, I couldn't go there with him. So I 
gave this whole interview about yeah. how I thought he was terrible. And one of the things I said is I watched a lot of Donahue because he was on Donahue and he had sway with the crowd. I mean, they were booing him at first and then he he was so good with them. It really showed me how evil he was that he yeah. could kind of work the crowd a little bit. And uh, and that I noticed he said, make America great again and America first. Those are like, and they really the stand 70s. out. I don't know who's watching Donahue the, episodes now. It was in, in the, the early 70s. 80s. Oh, in the early 80s, yeah. But, I, but to hear them now, you right, know, is yeah. like crazy. And we worked into the film and uh, so when I was, when I was, I don't know, I, this article came out, I guess. Yeah. And uh, he said in his tweet, this is how twisted this guy is. He goes, thank you, Topher. I agree that Donald Trump ripped off those quotes. I'm with you. Uh, I was like, wait. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, no. So now you got to deal with that. Your pal, your new friend. I mean, I was like, I, I couldn't have been more clear, you know. And, sure. And, and, no, he just appropriated it. He just absorbed you into his darkness. Yeah, it was really. How'd you handle it? I, I didn't do anything on Twitter because I'm not very active on that. And I, I didn't want to be in a conversation with him. So yeah. I guess I talked about it on like Nightline or something. Uh-huh. A sad side effect of it is that it does put some light on him, which is, you know, yeah. what he kind of feeds on. Right. But I, I hope that it, it more shows you what an idiot he is. The good side of it is that it means that it is affecting people. Uh, you know, it really, I mean, that's yeah. what's great about being in a movie by Spike is that it, you actually, you know, it's such a frustrating time to be anybody. Yeah. No, I mean, what kind of voice does anyone have? Yeah. But it was like, oh yeah, we can kind of, we're on a national level. We're kind of saying something. I mean, Spike's saying something. We're helping him say something. What? You know, we put that America First thing in. That wasn't in the script. Yeah. Like, and uh, and, that, go, and it, it, it pops too. And yeah, I go. it was in the trailer. I was like, you know, did Trump see this? Yeah. I mean, I know he watches TV. Yeah. So. He probably did. That's you crazy. haven't heard from Trump yet on Twitter? No, I know that Focus was really hoping for a, like a tweet. It would have been. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were hoping like just a little like, negative. That's another $10 million if yeah. we just get a little Negative press from the president. Something. would be great. But, yeah. But, uh, oh, so that's interesting, though. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, in your process, as you say that you engage it, you couldn't find empathy for the guy. Well, it's really because uh, we just had a daughter and it was our first. Mm -hmm. And I was like watching the news. This is before I got the part. And you're like, how do you... Uh, you know, how can you, I mean, everyone has this problem right now. Yeah. No one knows what to do. And then, how I mean, do you, it was what? cathartic. How do you, like, how do you, how do you guide your new child? Yeah. Or like, what kind of world am I bringing yeah. this person into? Right. And then getting the project was cathartic because you're like, oh, wow, I have a way to kind of process this. Um, but, and, and it was great when we were in Cannes and Spike was speaking and you felt like the world was really listening. Yeah. You went, I'm so proud to be a part of this. Yeah. I'm not sure Valentine's Day had the same. <laughs> A fact. Yeah, on the world, no. <laughs> what was it like working with Spike as a director he, on he's your great. tour of auteurs? Uh, how did he work with you? How was he's like? Uh, I mean, if you ever get the chance, man. He's okay, like... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put a call in. <laughs> Topher uh, said I should uh, try. Let my get mom a tell you when the variety oh, comes. You? That'd be great. Says that Spike's yeah, have her. I'll give you. I'll give you my number. She's. Uh, you know, Spike is. Um, I mean, I like the greatest. It was like the the tone of that movie is it's so an interesting tone. I mean, like I didn't I didn't think we got it on the set. I knew I really trusted Spike and he's great, but I was like, how is this possible to have this much uh, funny stuff in it? And yeah. be, and then when I saw it, I went, this is why you got to work with guys like this. I mean, he is 
and he, and he was great. I'd get a little, we did all the, um, the clan stuff in one week. And uh-huh. that week was like really rough for me. Yeah. And we'd be improvising stuff and he'd come up and be like, hey, so like give the Nazi salute, yell white power. And then I'm going to have these 300 people behind you start yelling white power. And I was like, Whew. okay. He's like, also we're going to run uh, birth of a nation in front of you, but we're going to do the lynching scene. Like I was like, oh my God. Like, and then you're doing it and you know how it is. You're doing yeah. like five takes and I just was so... I'm not I'm not a method guy. Like I'm not someone who like brings it home with me yeah, ever. Yeah. But I'd kind of be in the corner and he's so good at coming up to you and being like, Hey man, like don't worry, I'm Spike Lee. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is gonna be fine. Like I know this feels bad, but yeah. it's gonna be cut with other stuff and yeah, it will yeah. you're serving my message and and uh and he was right. When I saw it I went, Oh man. But that's a lot of trust. I was saying to someone in Cannes, like, I don't wanna play David Duke. Like that wasn't like I want to yeah. play David Duke in a Spike Lee joint, right? I don't want to be David Duke in like the David Duke TV movie, or right? Right. <laughs> whatever. Right. Even if he's portrayed as a total bad guy, yeah. You know, I only want to do it. I honestly don't know another director I could do it with. And how's the feedback been? My experience was I, that I believe it's because I did a good job. But when we were in Cannes the first time we saw it, and it was, you know, it's in front of like two thousand people, yeah, and it got a ten minute standing ovation. And this is, they can boo you over there. I don't yeah. know, have you been to Cannes? No. Like, I'd never been before. So you walk up this red carpet, and I mean, it's, it's all different. I mean, it's like a mile yeah. long red carpet, and people are cheering you. Yeah. And then you go into the theater, and they can boo afterwards, too. Yeah. So it's not like they're just definitely going to cheer. And this film hit so hard. I mean, yeah. it was like so of the moment. Uh, what they didn't tell me is at the end, they bring out a video camera and they put it on your face. Yeah. So, like, you know, like the credits end yeah and then there's a picture of like adam driver's face on the screen i was like oh my god we're, we're live yeah and the whole audience is applauding and yelling french you know like you know fantastique it's yeah. super cool yeah. and they're you know then it goes to john david washington everyone's cheering and then it comes over for my close-up and it just kind of stops <laughs> like it wasn't negative but it, like people were standing just kind of like yeah not applauding and then it went over to Laura and they, you know they start throwing <laughs> roses and applauding again and i was like i think it's because i was good yeah I, you know what I mean? Like, but I, I mean, you can't applaud that guy after the. That's right. Yeah. But that's kind of what people have been coming in interviews and they're like, good job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I guess you felt very comfortable with it. That's, I think that's good, but it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's part of the, I guess it's part of um, playing somebody like that. I'll tell you, I knew because we were talking about 70s, which I, you know, I rarely do this long form stuff. Like, I knew going into it. Um, the amount of uh what would you call it like the real estate i had of like good guyness yeah. that character yeah uh, and I, certainly playing other characters have been a little slimy i've been happy to do but I thought, right yeah i'm gonna turn up to 11 and like it's gonna be it'd be confusing if richie cunningham sure play that character color. yeah you know what yeah. i mean it just yeah. be really uh it would feel about as evil to me as the character should feel so i really i dug that part of it where people are a little confused yeah it's it's nice it's nice no. to dirty up uh one of uh, america's good guys i'm talking about you topher right. <laughs> not talking about david duke yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean like people know you as a certain way but you've yeah. but you've evolved i mean people have seen you in enough things where you i don't think they were crazy surpri- i mean i don't think it's one of those like yeah. putting the rug out front of it, but i think it is a little bit uh yeah whatever that feeling that queasiness i think is good for that's well, exciting movie. so what what oh, was thanks, this man. other one that you just got done that you said you had to immerse yourself in oh that wasn't 
I do it for everything now. That was a total opposite. I play preacher. It's like, it couldn't be the more, I just love doing the opposite of whatever the last thing is I yeah. did. But I just rehearse the shit out of it now. I never, I used to kind of show up on set, you know, you're looking at the sides and- Put it in your head. And yeah, and I wasn't, I mean, these aren't movies I'm ashamed of, but ever since I did that play, I'm not fucking around. Like I hire someone to come to my house. And, and run lines with you? Oh, not first run lines and then rehearse and- What, an acting coach? No. This is a guy who actually doesn't act. He just is, I asked my wife to do it once or twice and she was like, you, you got to hire someone. Like, I'm not going to oh, so like, sit here and run lines for, you know, hours and hours. So he you. doesn't act, you just want you just want to run the lines. Yeah, I actually then... don't want to act. Towards the end, I'm kind of starting to try my stuff, but you don't want to lock in a performance because, you know, that might not be what it's going to be. But I want to be so ready now. But you know what I learned is that this is like an epidemic. Yeah. I don't know if you have this on Glow which is probably not a lot of great actors, but maybe with like some guest cast or something like people really don't know their lines. I know, dude. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> but, do, do, is that, but is that, you, you've seen that change since you've been in the game? No. Oh, it's always been that way. I, I always knew my lines. I just didn't know them. You can go as deep as you want. And my thing now is like, uh, I don't ask for someone else's permission I'm like really uh, doing the work beforehand. So what I hate about when someone doesn't know their lines isn't that they don't get it because you can get it or they can sew it together with yeah. editing by cutting to someone else sure. and they'll figure it out. It's that that was the only take that worked. Right. Like if you got five takes, yeah. your first take, if you are if you know your lines and, are, and you got an opinion about it, yeah. can be good. And then you can be trying other stuff and right. that, your performance is going to be better because the editor has all this right. you know clay to work with. Some of these people I've worked with, by the way, I've worked with a lot of people who are great, but uh, there's nothing worse too when, it, when it's, for me, when it's like a young person who comes in, it's just kind of like, this is day one. I just, I get so yeah. bummed because they knew they had the part, they had the script. And they didn't do it. Well, it's just to their own detriment, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I've, no, I've seen that a, a couple of times where like I'm, I'm pretty good at, mem at memorizing lines mm -hmm. and I'll get them pretty good in my head. Mm -hmm. But uh, but like you're inspiring me to you know to maybe go more with it. But I think pe the reason people get lazy, especially with movies or television, is that you're doing these two minute chunks, <laughs> and you're going to spend four hours on that. Yeah. So like I think the laziness. Well, you can is get it. So why do the work? And the right. answer is, I guarantee you, it'll be better. Well, I guarantee you that Tom Hanks is. <laughs> doing work before yeah, he no, comes of to course. the set you know of course yeah it's just not a coincidence you know right. all these people that i really respect are you know what i heard this is a i mean i don't know if anyone would care about this but i it really like changed how i approach things that when meryl streep is offered a film she i don't even know if this is true i mean i didn't hear it from her but like i think she is a makeup person and a hair person on retainer in new york yeah and she uh, so when they offers her Margaret Thatcher or whatever, yeah. she doesn't say yes to the offer yet. She goes, puts on all the makeup, gets with the dialect person, puts on the hair. I mean, she's not a magician. You yeah. know what I mean? She needs to yeah. work like everyone else, right? I mean, look, she's better than probably anyone else on the planet, but like yeah. she still does all of it. Then she films herself doing it, doing a couple scenes. Yeah. And then if she sees it and she likes it, she says, yeah. So that's why 
she wins an Oscar every time. It's because she already like, you know, did she, the whole process and goes like, I can be that person. Yeah, and then when she shows up on set, you go, she's magic. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's probably she just did, a ton she, of hard work, you know? Oh yeah, no, I- Plus I, she's the best ever no, to live, you know? But I agree with you. I, I think that I think that there are people that either because they've been at it a long time or because they got in it to get away with it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, you can see that in people's eyes too. You know, I feel the same way about working with these auteurs. That's yeah. what really changed it for me through osmosis kind of you're around them when i uh did you go to the kubrick exhibit here oh yeah they, i did i did yeah. i did yeah so i'm looking at all these props this is right before i went to do interstellar and it was like you see all the research he did on napoleon which he never even made by the way yeah like it's it crazy. was like yeah but the the chair from 2001 i think i knew i had interstellar so it was like i was like oh man i'm about to go do a 2001 type movie the chair had this whole story next to it which i by the way i still remembered from the movie yeah that uh, probably because he did so much work on it, he got with the biggest uh, chair maker at the time or the best chair yeah. maker. And they spent months saying, what would a chair be like if it was in zero gravity? And, I mean, he did that much work on just the fucking chair. Yeah. And of course, yeah, I still remember it. Yeah. Like, it's not just like, yeah, that chair looks futuristic. Right, right. So he did that much work on just that one chair. And you have to imagine on every dial and knob that's in 2001, that's why it feels real. So go on the set of Interstellar. And I open up, you know, that house, most of my scenes were in that house, yeah. Jessica Chastain. I open up the cabinets and it's got like corn puffs and corn syrup and corn flakes and microwavable popcorn. And I was like, hey, Chris, like what's your obsession with, <laughs> like, what's going yeah, on here? Yeah. Like why so much corn? And he told me the story for like half an hour about how he got with a futurist and they thought, well, the country's reliance on corn syrup right now is such that we'll only have corn products by the year or whatever and that never played that was they never showed someone i mean maybe if you open the cabinet and zoom in you can see that they're all corn products yeah but it wasn't like he showed shots of everyone using corn all the time <laughs> in a bunch of cornfields i guess <laughs> and i thought oh this is like the same thing as kubrick like he's he went that deep into this when you're going through a black hole you're going i think that's what it might be like yeah right <laughs> Right, exactly. That obviously will make things better, but it's also that's a real artist who's going to go that deep, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. right? You know, yeah. you've got to have that that almost you know obsessive kind of uh, uh, need to to you know have all of these things just right. Well, I mean, look, they're the, all the films that we like. Yeah, ultimately, is when someone's gone for us. Yeah. Right, you don't right. have to fill in the edges yourself. They yeah, but the even way, if yeah. you don't even open the cabinet. And there's a version of acting, I haven't hit it, but there's a version of acting that's like that where, I mean, look at Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, that guy's not fucking around. Yeah. He does two years. Guess what? Like, he is the guy. Yeah. He shows yeah. up, you know? He's still Lincoln, I heard. He's <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who did wardrobe on that. He never came out. And he, had to, he, he couldn't came. give it to him on hangers because- uh, They didn't have hangers. Because they didn't have hangers, Yeah. <laughs> Now, does that impress you or make you go like... And not for me. You know, like, right. I probably am not going to be playing... Yeah. You know, David Duke might be the extent of uh, right. things that are far away Well, I, well I appreciate you just talking like you have because it sort of made me be like, yeah, I got to work harder. Gotta... No, it can't hurt. I mean, like, uh, you know, I actually, I guess maybe you have to police yourself. It can hurt. I've seen people where they go in such a direction that's unnecessary. I think it's only to the point at which um, th it's helping. Well, I mean, when, uh, I think that like really knowing the lines, like so you don't, 
have to worry about it anymore is liberating because yeah. it, yes. it, it opens because yeah. then you can do not the lines right you yeah. can it opens you up to the other work you know like to you know whatever put whatever choices you want in place or figuring out exactly how this guy is at where are we at the timeline that's my biggest problem when he shoots shit out mm. of order it's like what just happened i'm not real good at a lot of it for me is reading the script scenes i'm not in just reading it through like a book i try to do that a couple times yeah which is yeah, I started to realize, I mean, I don't want to point out which ones. There's certain films where I'm like, oh, I didn't play that right. Right. Like early on. Do you right. know what I mean? Where like, yeah. oh, I'm like too excited. And that came right off of yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm not great. Like I have to tell directors. I'm like, make sure you tell me what happened before. So well, if you're I, doing that, that's really it, man. I mean, like just saying like, so where are we? Like mm-hmm. that's, I've heard a lot of great actors say that at the beginning of scenes, you know, like, so wait, where yeah. are we? Yeah. Because like I, I just, because he, like you said, with editing, you can get away with murder, really. I mean, I've worked with people, people like you said, who don't know their lines at all, and you have to tell them to them, you know, before each take, we'll cut up okay if they can hold the screen. You don't even mean between, you mean before each line of theirs. Right. Someone says it, they kind of repeat it. Right. Oh my God, when people have that stuff in their ear, you know, the, have I don't you ever know, worked with I've, someone like that? No. I'm not going to say who, but yeah. I have. Yeah. It is so, first of all, you're not even in a scene with somebody. When they've got one of those, they're uh, they're being told the lines before yeah. they say them. They say uh, the guy I was with was like, I, I like hearing some music, so I get a vibe. Yeah. Of the scene, but then yeah. you can hear someone's feeding them their lines from their trailer. Yeah. And you go like, uh, they're like glazed over. I mean, it kind of works in the film, I guess, but you're not connected with them, you know. Well, that's well, I think that's the thing when you have these um, actors who have been around forever that they can sort of. It's not even a matter of resting on their laurels. It's like when they show up on screen. They they own it in such a way historically that you know, the work that you know, it's, I don't know I man I hate it I can't no, I know no I'm saying. not apologizing for it oh. but I mean that's what happens that's why they get to that point oh oh they, oh they can get away with it right like you're saying you could get away with before every one of my lines because it's edited you know just saying the line and I'll repeat it back to you yeah but the great thing that happened I'm gonna come off like such an acting nerd in this I'm sorry but I am an acting nerd it's okay I am an acting I'm glad you're an acting nerd. I become more of an acting nerd yeah no nerd. that's a, that's what we're learning but what I <laughs> <laughs> and I will never move back to Darianne. They, yeah, okay. they didn't like me then. Yeah, they're gonna hate. They're you gonna now. fucking hate me. Yeah, you cleaning lady's gonna come after you. It's a lot of things going on. Um, uh, what I what I've learned also in rehearsing is not only are you learning the lines, but you're learning deeper meanings every time you say it. Oh yeah. So you can. I mean, that's what I learned doing that play. Yeah. I did, but you know, Paul wrote this play. And a hundred performances in, I was like, I think I'm seeing connections that Paul didn't know about. Oh yeah, you know, like or you're connecting them. Or... And, and 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 they don't have to know about it. I mean, if it's, you're right, it, but you but know. it doesn't. When people are watching it, even if it doesn't connect exactly, that's what they I mean. Go, There's an intention there. Some, yeah, that's yeah. that's part of your work. You know, I mean, right. I've I've learned that that's from right. talking to people that like you know it's probably better to keep that to yourself. In the, in the <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't have uh, gone on such an acting. No, no, jab. no, 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 no. I'm saying like on set. Yeah, yeah no, no. you know, you don't want to come up to the director and go like, I don't know if you really know what's happening here, but <laughs> there's a deeper, it's a deeper thing I'm going to play. I've certainly worked with that actor too, who's like, my wife is an acting coach, yeah. and uh, last night she let me know that my character was raped at the age of three, and you go like, all right, like. <laughs> That's your work. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I use it, I guess, but you know, we don't have to. I don't think even we would know about that in the scene. Uh, uh, yeah. Sadly, I think what what I've noticed lately, having not had that much experience, is that it, a lot of times it is sort of a selfish pursuit, even though you're working with people, especially with film and television, is that your relationship 
a lot of times it seems uh, for some is with the camera. And selfish and- is the wrong word, dude. I think it's more solo. Hmm. I think it's just sadly solo. I I had a real realization over the last twenty years that it is not. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm alone with this guy rehearsing the thing. I show up. I mean, I loved working with Adam Driver yeah. and, and John David Washington, but but at the end of the day, like I'm doing my thing, they're doing their. You're right. And yeah. It all comes together. We can right. all go to the party. Yeah, but that's why I like when. But and you've experienced this too because I work. You know, my emotional connection on Glow is with Allison Brie. Yeah. And we get there. I mean, I you know I can feel it, and it's tangible, and you can see yeah, it. She's a fucking great actress, but like great actress. Yeah, yeah. And and that you know that makes a difference. I mean, we're we're we're. So- oh, you're saying when you don't have that with someone else, it feels well. Not when you're as working with somebody else, and and it's sort of like, oh, he doesn't care if I'm here or not. <laughs> you oh. know, like <laughs> yeah, I could be anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I haven't had that huge a part. I haven't had done any heavy lifting. Wait, when are you going to admit? I mean, it doesn't have to be now, but at what point will you have done enough that you go, yeah, I'm like a seasoned actor now? I think when, like, I don't know. I I don't know. Do you think there is even a time? Sure. I mean, I but seasoned is weird. Like, so I did four seasons of my own show. So that's like, four, we did 49 right. episodes of Marin. So that's a lot right. of stage. And that was sort of my training on how to be on camera. Okay, so now you're on this hit show. We're on the third season of Glow. Glow. And my part, yeah. Maybe like by your eighth hit show. Well, I mean, we're, we're I think it's, the more challenges I have, like the, I don't know. I You're right. I'm, I don't. I, no, but you should, at some point, you should, because you're great on it. You should just like. Why don't I? There's still so much I'm learning, but that shouldn't stop me from saying I'm I'm an actor. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be now, but at some point you you should do it. You know, I think I think it's going to happen is when I do something like you've done, where I do something that is not totally within my wheelhouse. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. You took a leap and you got there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, To challenge myself to do something where that it would have it would that the choices I would have to make would be alien to me. Like so far. All right. I haven't really experienced that where I had like I I've had to taper who I am or or shut off parts of me, but I haven't had to make choices that, you know, f- through my vulnerability are are inherently not really like me. You know, uh, you've had Bob Odenkirk on this, right? Yeah. Did you watch those new Mr. Show or they weren't called Mr. Show? But oh, yeah, I watched I watched some of them. Yeah, okay, I thought they were great. But like his acting in the, I mean, like his acting on Better Call Saul is great. But his acting in these like basically Mr. Show episodes, yeah. I was that's what you're talking about. Like he clear, did what you did, like probably first felt the way yeah. you're feeling, then you know got on top of it and like you know got it, and then he's yeah. taking these leaps. He's like clearly went away and did yeah. so much acting work, but then came back to the same thing. And his acting is like insane on it. It's so great. I got to watch that and pay more attention. He yeah. has become a very good actor. Yeah, but and, I think it's probably I think it's probably you're in that process of like yeah. at some point you'll go, Yeah, I wanna try And I've never even done really broad characters like that. I have a hard like I was trying to think about that watching I can't remember what I was watching. I think I was watching a stand up uh, Fahim Anwar uh, it, where, you know, you just sort of embody a character that isn't you with confidence. Like I have this weird insecurity about singing <laughs> right, or right, becoming right. some like like because right, 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 I'm so right. self conscious sometimes that if I'm doing like but I that just, can be the key too. Is you're playing someone who isn't. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, yeah, I, I'm really weird. About, like I've never really inhabited. I think I have such a struggle just inhabiting me as a character in life. But wouldn't you say that, I, I've been a fan of yours for a long time? Wouldn't you say that's evolving too? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, 
Yeah, but I, I do need to challenge myself as an actor, and I think then I'll, I'll be able to maybe say what you want me to say. It'll happen, though. I think the way it happened with Bob, like, you know, because I remember talking to him at the, I know him a little bit, at the beginning of that uh, Breaking Bad yeah. process. And yeah. he was kind of like, I don't know, man, I never watched it. And, you know, and then he owned it. And then to watch him go back to Mr. Show and own it, in a, you know, the same thing. Cause oh, I, he was, I like, great in the, uh, in the post. He oh, had fuck. A, yeah, the a post. really kind of a pivotal... And he like Hard. he was quiet, which yeah. is the, maybe the hardest thing to do. You know, like God, he's great. That was like he's very. The fact that David's in that too is like yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's very different. Crazy. I would like put it on a freeze frame because I watched it at home, the post, and like I was like, wow, you know, in the context of a frozen, yeah, you know, seeing them together, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. this is a sketch. It's gotta be a <laughs> but then when you hit play, it's like you know, yeah, got John shit. Williams music and shit. Yeah. yeah. All right, buddy. Well, it was good talking to you. Dude, great talking to you, man. I thought it was good. It was Th as fun as I thought it would be. Oh, thank God. It was. I'm happy. I'm happy we talked about acting, too. Yeah, oh, thanks for having me. That was better than we all thought. I'm not in... I, I'm just saying that, like, I enjoy talking to him. All right, I'll play guitar. I'll just do it. No thinking about it. Just doing it. And happy holidays. Be careful. Okay? All right, now I'll play guitar.